Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tech and Soul, the Tech and Soul podcast. Is that the Tech and Soul Soul podcast? Podcast. I'm Tamika Key. And I am Lindy Johnson. And we are here in person today. Together. Together. Wow. This is amazing. Um, So can you set a timer? Because we like to keep it short and fresh for y'all. 30 minutes. Let's go. So if I can get to my clock. This episode... This week's episode is going to be about events. Events? What kind of events? Tell the people. Events in marketing and technology and media, among other things. This is advertising week here in New York City. Um, And so there are events happening everywhere, all over the place. And last week, we actually just um, finished an event with SIM, the organization I work for, um, called the Sim Summit. It was a 12th annual event, um, first time in three years. So since since before the since pandemic, the pandemic. Um, we did it big. We did two days of content, main stage sessions, breakouts, um, and I got surveys back. And, you know, so I, I feel like it was, you know, we did a good, I feel like we got good feedback. Lynn, you actually were, uh, were a moderator at our event. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm still setting this. Time. Okay. She said right. she set the timer. She was moderator at our events. And you know, the reason I think this is relevant for us to talk about is events are a big part of media and sort of and the advertising industry in general. Um, they are a big revenue stream, I yeah. think, for publishers in particular. Um, and, and media companies as well. And and also I think there's just something about there's something about events that 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 attracts specific types of people. <laughs> What's going on? No, I'm thinking about various things here. So what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about, you know, what I do you have at, my, coming at my job. I have yes. an event coming up, but also, and I have a round table tomorrow that's crazy <laughs> anyway. But, you know, when I talk to publishers and they talk about diversifying revenue, Mm. and especially now as they are trying to maximize the value of their first party data, Mm. that more of them are leaning into events Mm -hmm. or they are buying event companies Mm -hmm. like one of your favorite pubs, PMC, like they bought South by Southwest. Oh, Pence. No, No, uh, or they have a stake in... They have a stake in South by Southwest. I think it is PMC. I think it's PMC. I think right? it is PMC. So them, Blavity. Oh yeah, you know, they're doing Afrotech. That Afrotech is, thing. is really big. Which actually, I feel like Afrotech is probably more of a brand. Afrotech has a stronger a brand, brand than, Blavity. than Blavity does. Yes, right. More people know about Afrotech. I think Afrotech is probably more influential than Blavity. You know, had hoped to be. I mean, it's still under the same company, right? right. But like, yeah, no, Afrotech is is a whole thing. Yeah. And I even think about, you know, a company I used to work for, a uh, fast, fast company. company. How you knew which one I was going to say? Because they have like yeah. all these great events mm-hmm. like Innovation mm-hmm. Fest and uh, uh, creators and, mm-hmm. and different things like that. And, you know, these, these, it's not just incremental revenue, like you pointed out about Blavity. It can become its own brand. Its own brand, right? and, it's own, and it can carry carry the it can carry the, the, the media the, the media company itself. I worked for a company called AdTech many years ago. Well, and, and a company called DMG Events, oh, um, yeah. and AdTech was one of the brands. And it was interesting because AdTech was the event originally, and one of the things that 
we struggled as a brand to do was to create an editorial property to sustain the audience in between events because ad tech happened, I think it was twice a year. Mm-hmm. It would be one in one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, one in the spring, one in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so um, we always were trying to get our editorial side up to the level of the to the level of the event. Um, versus, you know, I think the company you work for, um, you guys most of your properties, so, you know, AI has Ad Exchanger and Ad Monsters, among other things, most of your properties started as solid editorial properties first, right? And then brought on the events and now they go hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, I I don't fully know the history of Ad Monsters, but I probably think for them, it was about the community and the events mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. right? Which is why... Now I'm in a position of really trying to make a media property online and, and social. Right. right? And, and so and so I guess we're, we're talking about this from kind of the advertising and publishing lens. Right. The dimension, the, the dimension for now. Um, but I think. Yeah, that's that's always the challenge. Right. That's that's how as a publisher or a media owner, how do you define how do you decide the amount of time, resources, energy, promotion that goes into building the event side and or the editorial side. And, and how do you, you know, how do you balance that? I mean, you think at uh, if you think about former the former chairman and and sort of um, you know, content director at Ad Monsters, Bueller with Bueller Tech. He's not leaning into content. editorial and mm-hmm. content. He's def- he's going deep on the events with a community aspect. And I think community is different than content. Oh, for sure. Um, I also think, right, as community and what he's bringing out of the community are, I wouldn't say editorial products no. at all. They're, they're more like best practices, mm-hmm. right? Which, you know, that's totally a different approach. Yeah. Whereas... I've always come from places where we try to marry community and content, which is so hard. Extremely hard. Unless you're really using the data. Like, you know, you know, we have an upcoming event, like mm-hmm. you mentioned that. So, yeah. Masters. Um, we have an upcoming event, and one of our keynotes is Allison Williams putting her hands in front of my face. Sorry. One of our keynotes is um Allison Williams, who uh heads up like digital strategy. I'm probably giving her the wrong title at um Forbes. Oh. There, what they've been doing prior to this whole cookie debacle, third-party cookie debacle, they've been really leaning in on their first-party data and thinking about how they personalize things and thinking about how events tie into what they're learning from their first-party data, oh, right? And, and I think if if you're not using the data to tell you what people want, I think it becomes really difficult really tricky what do you think that's interesting sort of using the data to tell you what to do from an event standpoint well I mean I have the perfect example so we just hosted the sim summit um as I said and I sent a survey out after because we which I still haven't filled (laughs) out oh it's fine but I sent a survey out because we uh myself and and our and our managing director John we kind of just came up with the agenda. He had ideas. He knew that, you know, he had concepts that he knew he wanted to, um, you know, have sessions around. We had a number of projects 
internally, you know, that SIM was doing that we knew people wanted to see, we wanted to expose them to that research. So we had a, an idea of topics. And then we kind of had an idea of what well, we it should be two days, we actually wanted to base it on um, the audience time science event, which is our, our parent organizations sort of large flagship event. And, and so we just threw it together. <laughs> and what what is kind been, of spitballed. What was, spitballed and you know and, and using best practices that I've learned over over the years in terms of pacing and time and making sure that people had enough time to get between things and and also giving people ample time for networking what I wanted to do with our survey though was understand how we can make the event better mm -hmm. and so there were specific questions that I asked like I asked how did they feel about the networking time we hit the nail on the head with that one thankfully that everybody was like oh yeah it was great one thing that came up though that I was cognizant of was we didn't have time for feedback and networking in the sessions and somebody actually called that out in the comments it was it was they were like you know networking doesn't have to happen between sessions it can actually happen in workshop style right. or round table format. And so that's something that I was like, yeah, I Which, need to work on that. You know, is a thing mm -hmm. we do. We pride ourselves right. on the workshops and round tables. And it's like figuring out that right balance though, right? Like how do you, how do you create the space for your attendees to interact and have dialogue, but then also still feel like they can lean back and be and be taught or educated, you know? Well, I have a question for you. Sure. Tina. How do you think the notion of events or what an event is has changed since the pandemic. Like I know during the pandemic mm -hmm. at at Ad Monsters, we did a lot of virtual mm -hmm. events, right? Mm -hmm. Which were very well attended because people were home. They were hungry for mm -hmm. uh, interaction and mm -hmm. community. But now do you think, I mean, and you're going to Ad Week this week. Do you think that people will still be coming out in droves? Or do That's you a good think, question. do you think it's kind of falling back? Wow. That is a good question. Do you question. think people are still afraid of being in big crowds? Like, what are some things that you think have changed? Wow, that's an interesting question. There's so many layers. I guess what I would say is I think it's definitely events, choosing whether or not to go to an event um, is a personal choice. Right. And I think that choice has gotten a lot more personal. Um, I think there's an expectation now that an in-person event will have a virtual component. Like that's something that some of the feedback that we got was like, how is this not virtual? How come we couldn't attend online? And so I think there's there's an expectation that you have both. Mm -hmm. And even if only three people attend virtually, right. they still want what that, the option. That, that option. So that's one. Two, I think people make game time decisions. There was a, uh, one of my colleagues um, has just recovered from um, um, cancer. And so she said, guys, I'm, I regretfully am not going to be able to come to your event. I'm limiting my, I'm limiting my exposure to lots of crowds of people right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think people are more cognizant of being in a swell of people and being in, in events. So I think that's a thing. I will give you a separate sort of anecdote though, post pandemic personally. So now I, you know, I take off my entrepreneur hat and put on my, you know, I don't know, black woman hat, <laughs> maybe I, took my sister, I think this was 2020, last year was 22. So this was 21, 2021. I took my sister to um, a music festival in Vegas. 
for her birthday. Um, and it was the first big thing that I'd been to since the pandemic. And I was super conscious of how many people were around me. I was super, super conscious of the lines and, and obviously the event producer in me was like, why is this not organized? But like, it was probably one of the first times that I was cognizant of, wow, I'm in a crowd of people. Wow. People are coughing. Wow. And I mean, this was also post, um, so it's post pandemic and then also post Travis Scott and his concert and when mm. people got crushed to death and I'll I say that flippantly. I, I'm not saying that flippantly, but people got crushed to death and all of that. And it was, I was much more cognizant of me in this crowd and mass of people. And I think that has changed. Again, that's just personal, but I think that's changed in terms of people saying, what is the experience going to be like for me to be in this space? Because it's not just corporate events. Oh, go ahead. Right. No, you just hit the nail on the head because that was my next question. Or not question, or mm-hmm. insight. I think that since the pandemic, mm-hmm. people are really wanting to understand the value exchange. Like, what are you giving me in exchange for mm-hmm. my time? Why should I really come from this? What mm-hmm. am I going to get real solid takeaways? I mean, um, how is this event differentiating itself? I think in the past, people just used to go, oh, companies don't pay for this because now two budgets are tight. Yeah, that's right? different. Budgets are tight. Um, and even for people personally, like you don't know how many people I know with the Beyonce concert was like, I can't go in New York. I'm going to go to somewhere else, to Philly. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to go to Baltimore, mm-hmm. right? Um, or wherever it costs cheaper, right? So price has become a big deal for people. So when people are looking at cost, they're doing real hard cost analysis and saying, what am I getting in exchange exchange for for my money and my time? And my time. I think we're talking about a couple of different types of events though, right? Like you said, Beyonce concert, that's like a that's for some people, that's a once in a lifetime experience, right? They're going to go, they're going to get dressed up. They're going to go and, and be, and be sort of enveloped by this experience with everybody with you and you you're there. Right. Um, versus, you know, the Sim summit, I mean, it's cool, but it's it's not an enveloped experience. How, what I would say is you, people felt surrounded by other researchers, surrounded, you know, and and inspired by their peers and their topics, but, you know, shifting gears a little bit because we, I I feel like we've talked about our lenses, (laughs) our our lenses, our dimensions, Mm -hmm. um, because we've talked about it from the advertising publishing lens, you know, from, from a creator lens or, or, or creator or black woman, whichever, whichever comes to mind, what's an event, you know, that, was the last event that inspired you? Or is there an event that that made you, actually, what made you get into doing events? Being part of events mm-hmm. got me into events. I mean, I was just on Minority Report podcast recently, <laughs> and it made me think back to when did I start publicly speaking? I started publicly speaking, I'm not gonna name the year. Oh, I will, 23 years ago, probably something like that, right? Um, 22, 23 years ago when I was at blackplanet.com because Omar, (laughs) bp.com, Omar Wasau, who was the, you know, like he was one of the co-founders of Black Planet. Mm -hmm. um, He had so many events on his calendar that he was like, Lynn, you're going to take these, 
right? And so I got to go to a, like Tavis Smiley, Travis Smiley. What was his name? Tavis, Tavis Smiley. Smiley. I can't even remember the man's name. Tavis Smiley. I got to go to be on a Tavis Smiley panel. Oh, I got wow. to go be on, you know, these different panels in, in different places. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I mean, I had done little speaking before that at mm -hmm. colleges and mm -hmm. stuff, but like this was like prime time. Mm -hmm. So it was that, but then after those events, uh and being part of different events i had the opportunity to be on advisory boards of events like there was blog her you remember oh, yeah. that oh my god yeah i was on this advisory board of south by southwest mm -hmm. at one point because you know me and a couple of friends were one of the first all black panels mm -hmm. at south by southwest blogging while black mm -hmm. oh my god <laughs> yeah we did blogging wow. while black right um and um so and i was I don't even want to say how long ago that one was. Anyway, so having those experiences was like, hmm, maybe I could do this as a as a gig, right? And so that's what I did for the Advertising Research Foundation, put together some events, put together some events here, have had helped Fast Company. I mean, the marketing team does all their events, but helping them think about who we should have and, mm -hmm. you know, who we should be reaching out to to come as well as who should be speaking, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, you know, I think editorial, and that's back to where we started. I think content and and um, the marketing kind of thing have to play together, yeah. but also, but looking like what inspires me, that's what got me in. What inspires me, ooh, have I been really inspired by an event? It's been a minute because I haven't been to a lot since the pandemic, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. um, what about you? What what got you into it and what inspires you? What event inspired? Like South by Southwest used to really inspire me at, at one point. South by Southwest. There was nothing ever about South by Southwest that made me want to go. I went once. I went once in 2010. Um, and it was actually, it was great. I mean, I was there with, at the time I, I was working for uh, a friend's PR firm. Uh, it was called the mix agency. It was like, and, and, uh, and their tagline was disproportionate influence. And they really had disproportionate influence over, over sort of the tech and startup scene at the time. Um, and, and I just remember being like, oh, wow, this is this, this inner, this juxtaposition of so many things, right? Mm -hmm. Because South by was, um, you know, music and, social and, and all of film. that stuff and film all of that mm -hmm. um but I'm like oh god nothing I don't like giant events like that that vibe I, I just can't yeah what I would say is the one event that inspires me and has still inspired me to this day it, it, the event that inspired me to want to make my own events company was this event called C2 Montreal hmm. it's called content meets creativity or I think it's like creativity meets commerce that's what the C2 is, right? Creativity and commerce. Mm -hmm. C2 Montreal. So I went in, gosh, I feel like it was like 2014, maybe. Mm. And um it is an it was an amazing event. Like it it so it's underwritten by the city of Montreal and Cirque du Soleil. Mm. So that just that, that just, right that's tells just you. the vibe, right? That tells you. And you go and like they have these different areas, like they had um and they have these different experiences. Like the year I went, they had, you could basically go into, you know, like a bubble pit, mm -hmm. you know, like a, 
you know, like the not not foam bubbles. Okay, like you know, I was thinking. Yeah, no, I was like, oh no, no. you would jump in the pit. No, like the (laughs) no, like the bubbles that like the little kids jump in. Like yes, yes, that kind. Not like well, you get you get sunk in. Yes, yeah. Okay, but I've done that. So this was a it was a bubble pit. Mm -hmm. You go in and you uh, they would blindfold you and you and and you had headphones on and you had to solve a problem together. Oh, while you're in the bubble pit. That's dope. Right. A couple of years later, I saw, I didn't go to this one, but they had, (laughs) they had these chairs like ratcheted up to the ceiling and like you're in the chair in a harness, right. Just talking and having a conversation. And so they had these, they had an art gallery, which I'd never seen before. And they, they had all of these things that that these experiences, mm-hmm. right, that were curated, that, and then they had talks, like, I think one of the key speakers was Esther Lee, she was, um, like, the head of AT&T's marketing at the time, there was um, one of the gentlemen who was responsible for Absolute Vodka mm-hmm. at the time, I don't know how many of our listeners know this, but Absolute was an iconic ad campaign for years. It was oh, like the I, bottles I, yes. would just be in these different uh, different scenarios, mm-hmm. right? And so he was responsible for at the time trying to bring absolute back, you know, to the to the forefront of the public eye. And so you had these beautiful conversations with smart people and thinkers and and an amazing food set against the backdrop of Montreal. And they had like, they had little mini town hall areas where you could just pull up and grab a mic and talk about what you wanted to talk to. They had hands-on workshops. I mean, it was really one of the most amazing experiences I'd ever had. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I, I want to do this. And, um, but I'd been working in events from before then. The way I got into events was by being a journalist. Um, I worked for Media Post for many years and, well, not many years. I <laughs> worked for Media Post for like two years um, and Media Posted events. Um, and that was how I kind of got exposed to that. And then, um, you know, I worked for paid content that did events. And then I, I you know, worked at DigiDay um at the start of digi day when we were doing like seven events a year <laughs> uh back and forth and so i i've kind of always been an events girl um but that c2 montreal kind of made me see what the full potential how an event how a business event business. could envelop someone and make them feel and make them feel inspired and you know and and yeah and, and really enveloped yeah you know what and I think that's the thing I think that um events have to think about the experience yep. right mm-hmm. like what is the experiential tangible mm-hmm. right so it's not just oh put together a bunch of great panels mm-hmm. it's no. it's what experience because I mean that's the most memorable things, mm-hmm. right? When you talk, every study you you look at when it says uh, what people remember most mm-hmm. uh, experiences they've had, mm-hmm. not things they buy mm-hmm. necessarily, no. right? And so that's important, I think, even from a business context as well as a personal yep. context. So as a black woman, yes, wow, right? <laughs> nice. Nice. As a black woman, right? Like I would want to go to an event that something like what you described, that not myself. One thing I forgot that I did used to have similar to that. It was kind of an unconference. I used to go to um, 
you you have Colorado and Boulder mm-hmm. every year. They used to bring together like um people from all disparate types of fields, military, hmm. science, where all these type of people throw them together on different panels, right? They would ask everybody, what are kinds of topics you're thinking about? We throw it into a hat. They would bring all these people. Then you wouldn't know your exact talking points <laughs> until you got there. Wow. Right? Um, so almost like, a, no, not like the moth, but because, of, you know, if you go to the moth story slam, like they're like, well, they tell you what this. They tell you what the theme of the story yeah, is. Yeah, we knew the theme, yeah. but we didn't know the talking points wow. until we got there. So sometimes they would put a bunch of poets together Wow. on a session and we would spit poetry, right? And um, Spit hot fire? <laughs> spit hot fire, hot shit, hot girl shit. Um, anyway, but I can't believe I just said that. I don't know how you do. Um, tech and soul, tech and soul. Tech and soul. But you know what? I mean, we we what what is our last lens? I think we. we so wait, we we've so we many done, directions. We've done, we've done the lenses. We did um, advertising and publishing, which is kind of the the core one. Um, I think we talked about entrepreneurship a little bit too. A little bit. Um, I mean, well. Okay. Would we like to have an event? Actually, we would like to have an event now that now that now that you say it. Um, we're actually thinking of doing an event. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people go live with their podcasts. Yeah, right? and that's that's kind of the vibe I think that we're thinking of doing. We're thinking of doing a, a live podcast, probably a like I'm thinking four to six, you know, four p.m. to six p.m. Something a little after work, so there could be cocktails, cocktails. You know, networking and cocktails. I also think we should have a guest. We haven't had a guest. Yet. We haven't had a guest yet. But I mean, this is episode four. Well, of course, we'll bring on a guest. But yeah, yeah we'll have. A, it wouldn't just be us. We'd have like a guest speaker. Um, I think part of it is, you know. We are both on different coasts, so we got to figure out. It probably should happen in New York first. Although, if you come out to the West Coast, we could do one there. But yeah, we're thinking of doing an event. I haven't uh, been to the Bay in a while. Live, live version of Tech and Soul. Um, yeah, I guess maybe we'll, we'll, I mean, it's not time to end yet, but I was like, would love to know what you guys think. Would you want to come to, would you want to come to see a live, like a live version of Tech, Tech and Soul with a guest? And if so, who would you want us to, to bring? Who would you want us to bring and um, put it in the comments? Put it in the comments. Um, and then also, would you pay? Because that's a question, right? Because mm-hmm. events are not events are not expensive to create inexpensive mm-hmm. to create i mean if we do it at a we work or something like that and have some you know some some Poland spring water it shouldn't be that expensive but like you know um well, i'm thinking about joining a soho soho house so we can snap. always wow that's a whole do other that. Level. That would, you know we want to take it there. Soho house, Noya house. i think i think the you know maybe the last thing i would think of is you know a, an event as you know, as a black woman, C2 Montreal inspired me. Um, and I never felt out of place because there were so many people, there were people of color, there were young people, there were older people, there were, right. And so I think that, um, you know, at the Sim Summit, for example, I was really intentional about trying to make sure that we had diverse, diverse speakers, um, at least at a minimum from a gender perspective and then and then sort of moving beyond that and admittedly it was somewhat challenging um to find um 
admittedly it was somewhat challenging to find speakers of color yeah because in the research industry and and yeah. and, and sort of the seat the researchers just that's, tend to not be that's really black good. um so that was interesting i i do you know i think when i was much younger i was not cognizant of it as much or i was just like eh, whatever i just go in Throwing elbows and it's fine. Yeah. But now but I'm you, a little bit more like, oh, what the? Why is nobody here? But you, you know? like me, we've been at events where we were the only one, or the only two, of right? Of course. And it's just like, what's happening? I, but I would also flip it though, because I think there's a sense of being other in general. The example that I give of when I took my little sister to that, um, I took my little sister to it's called Day in Vegas. Okay. I am a woman of a certain age. I'm actually, I'm actually almost 20 years older than my sister. Oh. Yeah. She's, she was born when I was 17. So she's a teeny bopper. Like nice she's, she's in a, you know, she like, and so this was her crowd and I felt uncomfortable because there were so many people uncomfortable because it was like sort of super aggressive hip hop. Right. And the energy of the crowd and with aggressive hip hop is very different than like a Beyonce concert right. or something like that. And I had this moment of, OK, no, there's black people and there's the, but I'm like, I'm an old. You know what I mean? And not an old, but I, I, I was like, what you're I didn't feel comfortable. And I think that's a thing about that comes. That's what it comes down to with an event, too, is how do you how do you make your cater different audiences, attendees and audiences feel comfortable? That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. That's interesting. I mean, you know, that's interesting. I mean, I think an event from an entertainment aspect that I felt most comfortable at and I feel services different generations was Afropunk. Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I, I want to go to Afropunk <laughs> so bad. Like what? So bad. One year I went, they had like Fishbone, right? Oh, wow. Right, they brought back Ice Cube, right? Yes. As well as having... Yes the scissors or yes. whomever, right? Yeah. So you could go uh and um what's his name? Kamasi Kamasi, Kamasi Washington, Washington, right? Yeah. Is on one stage yeah. over here where you have Ice Cube on another stage or like scissor on another stage, right? Oh scissors too big for that now probably. But okay, it should be a headliner. <laughs> but um you know that's what I mean about serving your different audiences. Mm -hmm. And I think from a business perspective, mm -hmm. we have to think like that to mm -hmm. and and what we do in our businesses because we want to bring in the fresh new people mm -hmm. like the old people are going to be going out soon right so yeah we're still I, I don't mean like dead I'm talking about no. I'm talking about like you know yeah no, you I know what I mean yeah like, like they're going to be sending their teams yeah right so how do we service those people we're so used to talking to the people who are at the top how do we talk to the people who are just starting out in mm -hmm. their careers? Mm -hmm. or just, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. So it's similar to me to like when I think about like mm -hmm. how Afropunk serviced all the generations. How do you, how do you serve? And that goes back to the data, right? Like yeah, knowing who's coming, yes. knowing who's coming, knowing what they might be interested in, almost like a pre-survey, but then it, it it's hard. Um, I feel like we could talk about this forever. 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 Because it's what we do. It's what we do. <laughs> um, thank you guys for paying attention and tuning in. Yeah. Um, leave your questions or comments in the comments box below, and we will see you guys for our next episode and subscribe and subscribe. Thanks. Bye.